Fuck yes, welcome to After the Hype with me, your host as always, Brian Darso. With me, as always, is Jonathan Hardesty. Long drawn out sigh. Chewy Darso. I'm eating cookies. And Ryan James. Very excited. Oh my god, you guys are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> all I want is a little bit of excitement and you I are get all fired. <laughs> uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> 2017! Uh, special guest this week, we have Paul Kruger here. Hi, Paul. Hi! Paul, uh, before we get started here, we're going to say, hey, where can we find you online? What do you have that's going on in your life? Why are you here today? All of those fun things. Uh, I am here because Ryan has my family and he won't let them go. Please help me. But no, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, he's a dick, man. <laughs> Don't introduce Ryan to your family. <laughs> it's, it's like, a, it's like <laughs> what about Bob? <laughs> <laughs> it's a mistake I'll never make again because he'll never give them back. Um, no, I. you can find me on Twitter at NotLikeFreddy. Uh, that is that is where that's the best place to find me. Uh, what I've got going on in my life, I wrote a book called Last Call at the Nightshade Lounge. It is available in bookstores everywhere, and it is uh, essentially it's about a secret society of bartenders that defend Chicago from demons using alcohol magic. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Cool, a lot of fun to research. Do they have to be drunk to use their magic? Actually, no. the ma- The magic <laughs> system is about drinking responsibly. If you get oh. if you get too drunk, you can't use the magic. Wow, okay. that's perfect. Well, it was inspired by well a lot of things, but you know when you're playing beer pong and you're just that level of drunk where you can't miss. Oh, but if you have one more rarity, beer, but yeah, yeah. But if you have one more beer, then you'll miss everything. Yes, like that's kind of what my magic system is based on. That's great. That's awesome. So when are they making the movie? Uh, God, your lips to the Weinstein's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're big listeners, so yeah. check it I out. Send us emails every week. Like, yeah. oh, good show. Yeah. Good, show. <laughs> good show. I just imagined a Weinstein going, ah, oh, less tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like, this Paul Kruger is my kind of scum. Fearless and inventive. Uh, you also mentioned there's an audio book that you put a lot of work into? Oh, well, uh, a very talented actress named Emily Wu Zeller put a lot of work into it. I just wrote a bunch of words that I didn't know how to pronounce, and then she had to email me to ask me how to pronounce all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder that, like, when you are reading a fantasy book, like, there are even historical weapons that I don't know how to pronounce. Oh, yeah, what happens is the audiobook company says, hey, here's a list of 85 terms that, you need, uh, that we need pronunciation <laughs> clarification on. What are they? And you think to yourself... I never thought there would be an audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> so, it just looks pretty when I write it. Yeah, well, I, I picked up like all these archaic terms from like Gaelic or whatever for for liquors and stuff. Because again, I never thought there would be an audiobook. So these are languages I didn't have any familiarity with, mm. and then I had to uh, spend an, a lunch break going on YouTube, finding pronunciation guides of those words from native speakers, and then writing it down phonetically on my legal pad and hoping that I got it right. <laughs> That's uh, pretty deep. Yeah, but the audio, the audiobook is available on Amazon, um, and the book is also available on Amazon, or you can find it in any Barnes & Noble or Walden Books or Crown Books. Does anybody remember Crown Books? It's where I bought Animorphs. I, I forgot about it. Walden Books. I remember you bought yeah. those books there yeah, for yeah. some weird uh, reason. I had B. Dalton growing yeah, up. Yeah, B. Dalton. <laughs> oh, I know B. Dalton. Yeah. He's a bud. Chapters <laughs> for all you Canadian listeners out there. It's true. I saw it there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Ryan posted a picture on Facebook from Chapters. And it's like this display where all these authors with the letter K. And it's like, mm-hmm. cool when your friend's book is in the uh, is on a display. But the, the main book on it was a Stephen King book. And I type, <laughs> oh, my God, you're friends with Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 wait. <laughs> Wait, it's me. <laughs> uh, we'll also have on our uh, websites and Facebook and whatnot, if you are curious, we'll have links to his book as well if you want to go pick and it up. And then I heard the second edition of his book has a review from us on the cover. So we'll be famous. 
as yeah. long as we're famous. What a, what a twist. <laughs> on the cover. After the hype says it's great, <laughs> written right on the cover. We'll just put it on the back, Ryan. No, somewhere on the front. Yeah. The first preacher trade has on the front. Better than going to the movies, Kevin Smith. Boom. That was Kevin Smith. Yeah, it's boy. We well, are we're never getting him on the podcast now. <laughs> what are you guys doing that Kevin Smith doesn't do? Right. Exactly. All he does is podcast. We are Kevin Smith. You guys can make a better movie. <laughs> you guys can make a better movie than Yoga Hosers. Well, oh, what, yeah. you, what you don't realize is we, we have a trench coat that we all hide under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all just gather under a trench coat like a, a one giant like mech. Like gather, <laughs> and it's we 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 become and formed. we shall podcast. Uh, <laughs> we shall podcast. Is that a fat joke? <laughs> it's kind of right. a Vincent Adultman hey, joke. Let's move on to where have you been doing? I feel like we we've, we've drilled this as far as we can. Uh, Paul, why don't you go first? Where have you been doing? What uh, thing have you done recently you would like to share? Uh, I have been watching. I just started this last night. It is a Norwegian teen drama called Scam, which is the word for shame. Okay, it, it's about to get made into an American series. Uh, so I decided to check it out because one of my friends is obsessed. And uh, if you're a fan of the original British skins, not the uh, MTV version, it's Ugh. really, really good. Yeah? Yeah, so the way it works is that uh, the episodes air in real time. So if a scene is said to take place on Sunday at 3.30, the network will post a clip of it on Sunday at 3.30, and then at the end of every week, they'll compile that week's scenes into a whole episode. So I just jumped on this train last night, and I am like eight episodes into the first season, and I'm loving it. Wow. Where do you watch it? Um, uh, places. <laughs> are they, they're definitely illegal, right? They are completely 100% above someone's board, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, you know, places. But it's not like on Hulu or anything like that yet? No, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, the, if you want to Google it, the, the word is scom. S-K-A-M, and not like any of those weird A's with the little dot over them that you get in Norwegian. It's just scum. Oh, that's good so to know. nothing cool. like an Ikea pronunciation. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I want to get Ikea the uh, scum shelf. Ikea is Swedish. You do not mix it up with Norwegians. We don't like it. <laughs> no, and there's an Ikea we, like yeah. half a mile down the road, so they can hear us. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're listening. They're opening they will a big make, one. They will make Bigger you eat one. their horse meatballs. <laughs> uh, they're good, though. They're good, yeah. I, I'm they're, not complaining. Yeah. Ikea is my favorite restaurant in Burbank. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Ikea is my favorite restaurant in Ikea. <laughs> I have never uh, had any of their meatballs, and I don't intend to. They're actually not bad. They're really good. Let's keep moving. Ryan, where have you been doing? I saw the smash hit Passengers. It's doing really well, right? No, I don't know. No, it's <laughs> flopping. So I how can much see why. Because <laughs> like, I'm really turned on by space. It's two beautiful people making out in space. That's all it was. And I went to see a movie, and I didn't get it. Uh, I've said this before outside of the podcast, but somebody on my Facebook said the trailer looked like a perfume ad, and it just ruined the whole movie for me. Like I, so I couldn't look at it any other way after that. I do kind of want to see the movie as long as I can put headphones on and listen to like new age music the whole time. Then there you go. like it's a perfume <laughs> ad. Yeah, yeah, perfect. You could. The soundtrack is good. the The visuals are actually fantastic. The spaceship is really cool, but uh, then it's just Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence being themselves in space. Boring. Yeah. How's the uh, the pool scene? Oh, uh, dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Is it cool? I mean, yeah. I've heard that's the best scene in the movie. I'll, yeah, I'll buy that. Okay. Absolutely. Um, Wait, you, the part when she's swimming in a in a bathing suit? In the air? In zero G? Yeah. A woman swimming yeah. in a bathing suit in zero G is the best part of that movie? Go figure. I mean, it's supposed to be really well done. <laughs> I don't... I, you know... <laughs> I read it I for the articles. It's filmed with... <laughs> eye candy in mind unless eye candy to you is seeing special effects because most of it's in a wide so that you can see how far from the edge of the bubble she actually has to uh, go 
I'm just trying to make just a sexist joke. Well, I'm you correcting you because... <laughs> well, actually... Chewie, <laughs> yeah. what about Let you? Me push Where up have you been doing? I'm sorry. Um, we've seen several things, yeah. but I don't want to take it away from you. So, uh, so I will talk about how Brian made me watch... <laughs> <laughs> Gremlins for the first time since I was four. I, got, I was convinced you're going to go with Hidden Figures, but no, you're going with Gremlins. All right. <laughs> I will chime in when you talk about Hidden Figures. I wasn't going to, but oh, no, Gremlins. No, please keep oh. talking about Gremlins. You're locked in now. <laughs> there are no take backsies. <laughs> What'd you think of Gremlins? Backstory. It was one of those films that I saw like when I was like four or something like that. Just too young. Uh, so I did not know until... I was an adult, and someone told me that it was a comedy. I'm like, Gremlins is a comedy? That movie's terrifying. It's, it's funny. Uh, it's heartfelt. It's I, wonderful. Yeah, I did not know back then, and I just refused to ever watch it again because I still get uncomfortable <laughs> watching Gremlins. And I just, they just want to watch Snow White. They're adorable. They're just they little mischief makers. terrible. <laughs> like, but it's strange watching it because I still find them terrifying. Like They just make my skin crawl. Um <laughs> but actually watching the film where I can remember things beyond terror, uh, <laughs> the gremlins don't actually do anything evil until the humans start killing them. It was so weird because the one like hatches in the high school and yes, he, he kills the professor, but the professor, you see him being evil first. He's not being, he drew blood. That was all he did. But he drew blood in a really evil way. <laughs> <laughs> like he hurt that little gremlin. So that gremlin was okay. upset. Technically, he was and a mogwai then, then. He turned yeah. into a gremlin. I love yeah, this. so he was upset. And so then uh, you cut to the house where they birth and they're doing stuff in the kitchen and all they're doing is eating things. And the mom, and comes, then the in mom like Rambo. comes in and starts <laughs> killing them. So you're like, you're like, wait, the gremlins didn't even do anything to her. She's just murdering them. So yeah, they're going to try to kill her back. They're just like little <laughs> drunk things. I love our agenda, our, our anti-human agenda yeah, that it, we're pushing forth on this podcast. Like, well, you know what? The humans were the bad guys. It comes up a lot. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I was just like, I was waiting for like the gremlins to do something first, and they actually never did anything first other than go they drink. They tortured a poor little Gizmo. Yeah, they put him so up they on were the bullies. Okay, have we learned anything? Him? We're just supposed to talk. We're supposed to learn how to stop bullies from being bullies. And, and the mom stops them. him by throwing them in You're the microwave and turning it on. You're not supposed to be a murderer. Yeah, you know how you kill. You know how you get rid of bullies? You kill them. <laughs> kill them good. <laughs> Stab them so. to death and let them bleed out. That, that's, that's, that's right, kids. <laughs> Kill your bullies. <laughs> In the end, I did start to realize, see some funny parts, and there were some good parts of Gremlins. Um, <laughs> I still just, I still like, <laughs> it's hard to get rid of that psyche for them when you're your youth, when you're so afraid of something, and I then disagree. it just doesn't go away. No, it's, how, it's why I haven't gone back to E.T. You were afraid of E.T.? Guy freaked me out. Oh, yeah? okay, that's a rabbit hole we don't have time for. John, <laughs> where have you been doing? <laughs> oh. Speaking of weird rabbit holes that we probably don't have time to go down to, uh, I finished Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a weird game all around. Well, like all Final Fantasy games are. Yeah, there's a, a chapter near the very end before the last one, which is super tedious, and then the last chapter with the boss fight is very Final Fantasy. So okay. you've got something in the very beginning that's not Final Fantasy. You don't know the story. You get the story at the end. Doesn't nothing makes sense. But I still had fun. But there was a lot of problems. I'll pick it up at some point. I, I'm still don't interested. pay full price for it. 
Or uh, wait, wait until they do their story DLC that they get for it because they're gonna flesh out the story. Oh, uh, okay. I wish so. I had done all those things for passengers. <laughs> <laughs> passengers, like the first time I even watched a trailer, I'm like, oh, they're like sci-fi's cool right now, and these people are really hot and cool right now. Let's put them together. Yeah, I made but a huge mistake. One, <laughs> the and one, it, did, it didn't pay off. It's really too bad. The thing that kind I like, I guess, the thing that I like the most though about it is it does a thing in games. I don't see very often, but I do like uh, D- Dragon's Dogma kind of did this too, where it's like suddenly you're familiar with this open world and then it just changes. And so you're recontextualizing yourself in this world that's changed since things have happened. And it's really kind of a cool... Well, Final Fantasy's done that a few times. I mean, yeah. they did that originally with Seven. Like the, okay. like you thought you had this whole world, you thought you were doing good, and then take a left turn and holy shit, the world's huge now. And it's... Uh, also, Ocarina of Time does that too. When you pick up yeah, the Master yeah, Sword, yeah. there's that sense of like, here's the world post the bad guy winning sort of thing. And yeah. I, I liked... How that looked and how that felt. Yeah. And it was a really kind of cool. I just wish there was more to it. Like, if there was more story to it, all this would have made sense and it would have been mm. just so much more rich. But Did you watch the movie? No. I've heard the movie's actually pretty good. I've heard so too, but I'm kind of in an anti kind of. <laughs> if it's not the actual thing I'm playing, I don't really want to. I'm not into that alternate media thing. <laughs> was there anything else you want to say about 15 or should I go? Uh, buy it cheap. Cool. Uh, I went and saw Assassin's Creed. So much like in our last episode when I said my next where have you been doing will be Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yep. Oh. I did it. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about Hidden Fidget Years next Some week. Some other time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I saw it. It was a movie. And it was uh, as a movie going fan. It sucks. As a fan of Assassin's Creed. It's not very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, had oh, a, no. we had a lengthy discussion about this at dinner last night. Yeah, it, it's just like it does it does a few things right, and those things that it does right makes it not the dumpster fire that the reviews will make you believe that it is. Like there's a chase sequence about halfway through this, this huge parkour chase sequence all through the city, and it's fucking amazing. Like it's done so well. It feels like Assassin's Creed. They're doing like flips and knives are just coming out of them as they're doing flips, kinda like in the game. And they're always like spot on with their aim, and it's just really, really awesome. You get really swept up in it. It's like if the whole movie was as good as that one scene, this would be my favorite movie of the year. But sadly, it's two hours long, and that's like five minutes. Hmm. And the <laughs> oh, rest no. of it is just it's yeah. it's so mediocre. It's aggressively mediocre. Like everything, like they spend so much time making the the real world and the fake world trying to flesh them out that they end up not fleshing out either one yeah. and you end up not caring about anyone and it, it's just it's a mess. it was disappointing yeah but uh the biggest problem i had with it that i've told brian many times and he agrees no one jumps from a 30 uh 30 floor building 30th floor and lands in a bale of hay and is fine no they never do it they never do like the leap the, of faith the leap of faith no they never do what? They I'm like, never this do is it. Assassin's Creed. That's the one shot in the movie I thought would be in it. Yeah, and they show the it in the trailer, and that's kind of the one time they do it, but it's... Uh, they I, don't really I show don't it. They show people jumping, but you never see the landing, and I, that is yeah, I don't, pure Assassin's Creed in the Bale of Hay. They, they do show one landing, but I don't want to spoil it because it's kind of a plot thing, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, I don't want to ruin things for you. And then there's one Bale of Hay. This one I will ruin. It's just a dead guy. This a dead guy falls off a building and lands in a Bale of Hay. So he's not fine. That he's dead. Count. Waka waka. That doesn't count. <laughs> It doesn't work. Yeah. So it's like having a Super Mario Brother movie and not having mushrooms in it. Yeah. Which they've also done. No, they had mushrooms in the movie. You can't call those mushrooms. You also had mushrooms going to it. (laughs) The movie sucked. (laughs) I still love that movie. It's a piece of art. We're not going down this rabbit hole. It's a piece of fart. Speaking of farting. Oh! (laughs) And dead guys. (laughs) Very true. But no hay. Oh. Hey, speaking of dead guys. 
Uh, so today's movie is Swiss Army Man. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> uh, Those parts were a little more wet than that. Well, some of them. There was a lot. Yeah. Um, this is the art house equivalent of dick and fart jokes, which is... Man, there's so much to talk about in this movie. But to give you a little bit of the backstory on it, came out in June of last year. Uh, it cost money. They didn't really say how much, but I'm sure it cost more than they'd ever seen before because they're music video directors who got the golden keys to make whatever the fuck they wanted, which is really cool because that's what they did. Um, and then it ended up making a whopping $4 million. Uh, it sounds like it could have made its money back. I would have guessed, just looking at like how much work had to go in it, I would have pegged it about $10 million. Yep. So maybe after like DVD sales and that sort of stuff, it might have made its money back, but I'd, I'd guess barely. Does anybody care that it didn't make its money back? No one's talking about it at all. Like, That's it's, the real question. Yeah, it was really one of those things like it's like the, will it work? It worked. Good enough. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. But we'll break into why it works and doesn't work in a little bit. Because first, we need to do a breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. 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 Okay. All right. Are you ready to do this, Paul? <laughs> yes. Are you excited to do it? Oh, oh, I have been ready to talk <laughs> about the most disappointing Harry Potter movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Is that what this was? Shit, I did not read that. Oh, <laughs> look. Yeah, for and the half-butt plug. Remember that part where Harry Potter dies and he goes into a weird dreamland? This is what happened during that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when he's farting his way across the ocean, he's going back to fight yeah, the Hogwarts? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I gotta tell you, this You're is... You're my Ron Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, go, 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 go! All right. Here's the thing, guys. If you can't get tickets to Equus, this is a great way to see Daniel Radcliffe's ass. That's the first thing I would say. Harry. Uh, basically, basically... Uh, this guy is stranded on an island, a corpse washes up on the island, and it turns out that he's got kung fu grip and kung fu chopping, and he can spout water, and he can do all kinds of things with his farts. And uh, while they are on the island, and he is using him to survive, he's also working through his therapy about like what life means and what death means, and also there's this chick he's stalking who's Ramona Flowers. And You're out of time. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, you just had like one sentence left to yeah, go. You were close. And his dad was disappointed in him. Yeah. yeah you, you, oh, you were so close. Yeah, uh, and yet so fart. I mean, hey. <laughs> oh, doo, doo, doo. Yeah, I, I was going to say my insult for failing is going to be a real winner. Man, that breakdown was like a wet fart. <laughs> and that joke just hit like a wet fart. That's how they always do. Uh, Everyone change your pants. <laughs> All right, uh, so yeah, the end of that was his dad was disappointed in him. But uh, let's talk the movie. Yes. Uh, I, honestly, the thing for me that I, I really want to start with this one specifically, because I think it's, when I look back in the movie, what I'll remember the most, it's really, and I'll have to let Chewie kind of take the rings on it, it's really the design of the movie. Like, the movie has such character in every single scene that, like, it stands out very much on its own. But I'll let Chewie handle that more than I can talk about it. Well, it's one of those movies where you look at it, and people will be like, oh, art doesn't have anything to do. It's all outside. Like, it's going to be so easy. And it's just, just like, wait, no. Have they still... never been to a forest? Those things are boring as shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those ones where you're watching it and you're like, oh, the art department must have just had zero fun. Because it just looks like a lot of work for his little town or whatnot to make all that stuff. 
out of little twigs and pieces of trash. The like, bus they made. Like yeah. they were either yeah. they were either in yeah. heaven awesome. or hell. It's really depending on the personality of who they had working on this well, movie. Well, yeah, because I almost verbatim <laughs> said the opposite that production design must have had a ton of fun making all the stuff for this movie. It really depends. Like I'd watch it. I if I was told to make all this stuff, I'd be like. If I was doing this on my own, I'd have a lot of fun. But if someone's telling me I have to do this in a certain amount of time, I'm going to hate it. Mm. That's one of the things. I mean, that, that's me just with assignments, period. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't imagine whoever they hired for. I, I'm shitty at my job. I didn't look at their name. But the, the production designer in this one, I don't think they could have agreed to do it if they weren't going to have a good time. Oh, like, no. like the, right. the, you take one look at that script and you know what you're saying. Honestly, the worst part about it is like you look at that rainforest, that definitely rained for the majority of them shooting. Oh yeah. It was yeah. always wet. So, dealing with that, I don't I didn't look it up whether or not they had to redo their set multiple times. Because that's one of the things you like. If that stuff all gets rained on. It's a lot of it's probably going to get ruined. Yeah, you bring tarps. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I but mean, even yes, with tarps, tarps, but there's only so much right. you can. Re- it's still really moist even underneath that yeah. tarp. Yeah, oh, I mean, like, dealing with weather is one of the worst things for the art department slash set deck. But it kind of worked for the movie, I thought. Yeah, I, it, I mean the, <laughs> the whole thing being moist was perfect for the tone. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it worked. <laughs> it totally it did work. I'm just looking at it and be like the. I bet a lot of the crew was sick pretty often. Yeah, yeah, that would uh, not surprise me. Probably and then you have to deal with the out. fact that the actors got to be dirty most of the time. And some of the scenes you have to have them drinking out of what looks like dirty cups mm-hmm. or dirty food or whatnot. And you always have to make sure all that's actually sanitary. And it's like, there's always a lot of interesting things you have to make sure that everything's going to be fine. You've got Paul Dano rubbing Cheeto dust in Harry <laughs> Potter's mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They had to get real intimate in this yeah. movie. <laughs> yep. Which I thought was the best part about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally think it worked. Like their their relationship yeah. is the reason you watch the movie. Um, but talking about the relationship, it's interesting if you like listen to the directors talk about the film versus what you see on screen. How how did you feel about the relationship? Like, what did you think happened in the movie? Uh, yeah, I was actually mentioned this to Paul uh, earlier today. I watching the trailers i didn't know that daniel radcliffe was going to become a, a talking character and be the opposite i didn't really know what it was about um yeah was that something that they kept from us in the marketing no no it's in the trailer he has it, a few lines yeah. okay more so in the trailer they show him singing so yeah. you know his mouth moves well yeah, that made sense it's that and then like you sh- they but show like the, like the selfie shot isn't like every single one of the oh, trailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so the slow yeah. ride of him coming to life as a corpse was a, a trip it was great yeah, it really worked. But the the interesting thing is, a lot of people think that it's either uh, like not real, like it's all like a metaphor for something. And then on the end of the spectrum, the director's like, "No, it's totally real. Everything you see happens, happen." Which is what I appreciated. I think yeah. with a lot of these kinds of movies, it's very easy to fall into that uh, magical realism trap of is it real? Is it not real? And wanting yeah. to go for the ambiguity. And in some less beach over the head premises, I think that can work. But I would have been disappointed if I'd walked away from this movie and all that stuff wasn't real, which is why I love the way the movie ended, right. which, spoilers to all you guys listening, uh, like he f- farts off into the sunset <laughs> like a jet ski as Mary Elizabeth Winstead stares at his wake and says, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. For me, this movie, however much I am, I'm kind of in the middle ground about loving or hating it. It depends on which part of the film I'm really watching. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll get into that as a as a girl, essentially. Uh, but I think this is one of those rare examples of art that somebody made where, like you're saying, they're planning on it just being like straight faced. But and then they accidentally made real art, which 
can be interpreted in many different ways by many different people and goes beyond the intentions of the creator, which I think this film is that. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I do think that the, having now watched it a couple of times, I think that it's it's more clear, like I think they did a very good job trying to make sure that you don't think that it's all surreal and not real. Because mm-hmm. they do little things like the farting off into the sunset, like the little girl being able to talk to Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. But you could also, kind of how you were saying, like since only the little girl could talk to him, and he, Paul Dano is basically a child already, mm-hmm. only children can see him, so there yeah. is that little bit of magic in there well, too. Sorry. Should I just go into my entire argument of what go I think this it. movie Do is it. then? Knock it out. Uh, what Brian was just saying uh, uh, is something that I was talking to him yesterday. And when I watched this film, especially on the second viewing, and like, yes, okay, so the director says this is all supposed to be real. All right, but uh, when I watch it, I view it as... This is a man-child story. This is a guy that lost his mother at a young age, uh, and it stunted him. And then he had a terrible relationship with his father, which further stunted him. And then he was never really able to develop as an adult past that situation, which they address with him saying he can't masturbate, and he can't really talk to girls. It really ties in together well. So then he gets this figure and this corpse, and I feel like the corpse gets possessed by his inner child. So then he's like learning all these things in life that he doesn't know. He thinks he's disgusting when he discovers his sexuality. All these things that happen to a child and he's full on confronted by it and having to learn how to deal with it for the first time in his ever. And then he matures throughout the movie because of that. And at the end he discovers that, okay, now I'm a whole person. Like I'd learned to love myself in every way. And now I can fart in other people and it's okay. <laughs> and then, so he whispers to the corpse at the end. You think you don't know what he's saying. You assume it's some sort of love or some, a thank you or something. And then he doesn't need him anymore as a separate vessel for his inner child. Because he's fully like been able to accept everything inside of himself. So then he leaves out into the sunset. Huh. And actually come to think of it, if you take that tack with the narrative, uh, it's interesting because... With him as, if you position him as the child in the id for most of the movie, he's literally being carried around by adult Paul Dano. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, as the inner child grows up and makes more mature choices and has a more mature understanding of himself, by the end of it, he's the one carrying Paul Dano. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a big climactic moment when he gets up on his own two feet for the first time. That's It's all about being able to grow up finally for the first time. That is a really interesting way of framing it. Yeah, huh. I, I it's one of those things. Was like, wow, that's really cool. And I'm sure the director was like, "Yeah, that's what I meant to do." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. thought it was definitely intentional that you know, um, uh, Daniel Radcliffe didn't have his memories or knowledge of life. He asked questions as if an, a baby who could talk would. Like, why? What is this? And why? I'm familiar with this. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, that's, that's kind of my favorite thing about him, because like uh, I, when I was looking at the making of this, like apparently uh, his character in the beginning was not this kind of like wide-eyed wonderment sweetheart that Daniel Radcliffe kind of is. Mm-hmm. He was a little bit more snarky, a little bit more like, yeah, I wouldn't be dead. And like the more they got Daniel Radcliffe involved, the more like we need to tailor this to Daniel as opposed to just keeping the character the yeah. character. So it's it's one of those like kind of happy accidents of like by this guy agreeing to be in the movie, we got a much better character out of yeah. it. Yeah, do you think the movie would have been drastically different then if, say, the roles were switched? If Daniel Radcliffe was the castaway and Paul Dano was the corpse? Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's like the... Uh, Paul Dano definitely always kind of looks like a sad guy. Yeah. <laughs> no matter... He doesn't have resting bitch face. He has resting sad face. For yeah. sure. He's yeah. like droopy dog, but a human. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's it's interesting that, like, I, I have a, a friend of mine at work who will probably enjoy the shout out. Uh, 
who said that this movie broke Daniel Radcliffe out of Harry Potter for him. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. after watching this one, it's like, oh, he can do anything. <gasps> and this... it's fun. He's tried many roles. Like, he played, like, a neo-Nazi somewhat recently. Like, yep. he's done many, many things. He was, like, a demon, too. Yeah, Horns. Horns, uh, yeah. 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 And it, Don't forget Frankenstein the monster. Yeah. <laughs> Should we forget it, though? Well, he was Igor in that one. He was Igor in that one. But oh. in combination with e- him playing Igor and this movie, I have an insane amount of respect for him as a physical actor. Yeah, like the physicality like, he brings to these roles, is, it's, an, it's phenomenal. insane. Like, like you're saying, great. the part when he has to like, come alive and fall mm-hmm. out of the tree... That was amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I mean, it wasn't it just that was amazing, but the, everything he did was great. Yeah, like everything, just like the way that he just you carried himself through the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you watch a scene, I, I would find myself watching to see Daniel Radcliffe. He's got to blink. He's gonna blink. <laughs> right. He's yeah. got it, and he never blinks. Yeah. Never. I'm sure they had makeup going drip, drip, drip into his eyes pretty commonly. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, that, yeah. I'm sure there was plenty of movie magic that made it work, but I know. Uh, like it's hard to win a staring contest. I have a brother. I have experience. <laughs> they are <laughs> so I was really impressed by how how deathlike, I guess would be the word, he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he like the the thing is he really pulls it off. And it's he pulls it off in a way where I'm surprised there's been no like award talk for him this year. Like nothing. And it's like he was great in this movie. I mean, this is because of the the award system is very skewed to right. what was classically considered mature cinema. Yeah. And a farting corpse is not what most people but the, think of. The problem that's the weird thing about this movie is that it was considered mature art house like fodder. Like this movie played at like the arc light for a week before anyone else. Like if you want to see Swiss Army Man, you need to come to our place. <laughs> like it was like a big deal to go see <laughs> the Dick and Fart movie. Like that's <laughs> they know where they're going sniffed, by following a boner the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Like that's But the old people that vote on the things are old. They're the ones who wanted the movie. Like I don't know. I don't <laughs> think they did. I think all the younger like art people like us wanted it. I guess it's possible, but it, it did well. Like, it, people liked the movie, which is yeah. good. It's very good. Um, uh, let, let's uh, let's move on though. Let's. Who else should we talk about? What else should we talk about? What else do we want to hear about? Uh, um, beyond the inner child thing, uh, he's kind of a stalker. Kind yeah, of. yeah. I was, I was really full blown creep. Did yeah. you guys know that going in? I no, I, I immediately not. because of the bus, the bus scene in the beginning. I'm like, oh, he's a creeper on the bus. Yeah, yeah I kind of <laughs> guessed it. I didn't yeah. know for sure, but yeah. I was not. It wasn't like a reveal where I'm like, what? Right. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I guessed it too, and was hoping for kind of a subversion of it. And when one didn't come, I was just like, oh, okay, I go away. Well, see, I thought that the bu- the fact that he was a creeper was a subversion of it because I think they were trying to build the narrative that this is some girl he knows, and the big plot twist is that he's actually a creeper. Uh, and where I would expect a lesser movie to romanticize that, loving her from afar, I appreciated that there were times when this movie would start to veer into dicey territory, like with its use of the word retard, for instance, and then yeah. immediately go back and say that this isn't okay, and immediately present a contrasting narrative to the use of that word or the exhibition of this behavior, right. uh, which I thought was an interesting and very and characteristically self-aware thing for the movie to do. I like that, and I like that it was uh, kind of like what you were saying. Like they never made it okay. He was never the hero for stalking on the bus. It was always like like when she finds out, she's not gonna like it, and then she didn't because right. of course yeah. not. And that it felt more realistic, especially in a movie about a farting boner ridden corpse. They but, make like, him tragic. Like you, you have sympathy for him yeah. while you're kind of grossed Absolutely. out by him. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's not sympathy. Like it's. It, they do it in a really smart way where you don't feel like you're cheering on the creeper on the bus. You're cheering on the guy who has social anxiety problems 
out his ass in the worst way possible. <laughs> kind of, yeah, and then you're like, well, then just good. Go to jail after this. You're fine. You're gonna grow up. I don't and think he I deserved to go to jail. I don't think he was going to jail. No, no. He didn't but do like, anything illegal. but like, you know, you get what's coming to you. We don't like you, but you got over your thing. Like, I, I just, never I just didn't like him. him at all I never movie. disliked him. I always kind of liked him, but it, I, I liked him that way of like he needs. He needed help. to grow up. Yeah, he needed help. He needed a good friend, which he clearly he never it. had. Yeah, and that's like this was the beginning of him riding the ship, cross correcting. I, I really wonder what his uh, relationship with his father was going to be like after this movie. Oh, Cause, weird. Because yeah, but his father looks happy at the end. Well, I think he was laughing at the farts. He was, but it's like <laughs> it's like the first time like he sees his son for the first time. Like you, you get the sense that his father never really got over his wife dying either. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's like. He's really confronted with all of his inadequacies in this moment of my son is a complete mess and it's probably my fault. And he looks he looks embarrassed, he looks sad and then he just looks like accepting and that's why he's starting to laugh. Like I don't it's such a weird like watching the emotions on the guy who played his father, you get such little time with him, but I was still always invested in what he was thinking at yeah. that moment. Uh, he nailed his very small part. Well, there's I, no small parts, only small actors. Well, yeah. I, w- I was struck by the fact that of the of all the characters on screen, only he and Paul Dano are the two that immediately laugh when a fart happens. Everybody else kind of grimaces or they can't believe that this corpse well, is farting. Well, the little girl was totally into it. She's, oh yeah, she's that's true. Laughing yeah. her ass off when he's farting away into the yeah. sunset. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, there goes my point. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Chewing. But great. I also, I also, <laughs> <laughs> I think just threw totally a chair at it. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I also love like the with uh, Paul Dano. The thing we haven't really mentioned much is he's killing himself in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I love that the corpse washes up and he's all excited. It's like somebody else is here. Oh, he's dead. And then he's farting. He's like, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> and then he goes back to killing yeah. himself. Yeah. Oh, and I love the just the way that it starts like so sad. He is killing himself and then he like sees the corpse and doesn't mean to and trips. And yeah. then he accidentally is killing himself again and he doesn't want to and then he accidentally isn't killing himself again. He just can't win. Oh, can mm. we start talk about a moment for how this movie actually starts starts? Just With an image the of the water. Yeah. With different pieces of garbage with things written on them. And then they focus on the... So the humor of the movie is already like so established in the beginning with how intricate each one... They get more intricate with each thing. And then one side says, I don't want to die alone. And then the other one just says, I'm so bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because one of you guys told me before we started recording that the two guys who directed this are music video directors. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And one, I didn't know that. But once you mentioned that, it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense, yeah. This whole movie is an OK Go video. Yeah. They, t- <laughs> they take a high concept kind of. and then yeah. they just play with variations of it for the, its entire runtime. Huh. Yeah. In this case, like trash and dead people. Yeah. And farts. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting listening to them talk about making the movie because it's like they got the go ahead. They're going to make a film. I'm like, well, which one do we make? Wouldn't it be funny if we did that farting movie? And they're like, no one will of us make it. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, well, what if we put all of our heart and soul into making that movie? Like, just straight face <laughs> the whole time, make the movie we've been talking about for years, and we just pour everything we have into it. Maybe they'll let us do it. And then here we go. And then Daniel Radcliffe read it and was like, "I'm in." Yeah, like that was uh, the fact they even got. And they made them audition for it. Really? They made the two of them audition. I'm like, dude, you got two like pretty much A-list actors agreeing to be in your farting corpse movie. Just right. take them. No, just take no. Yeah. 
They did that smart, though, because we've learned that in other movies. Just because you have two A-list actors doesn't mean they have charisma together. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with yeah. you. I'm saying me as the amateur filmmaker, I'm like, Daniel Radcliffe agreed to be in this? <laughs> We're good. Woo! Yeah. Well, the misconception is that they're amateurs, I guess, because <laughs> yeah. their list of videos is not a small feat. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You it's, can it's be just... a good video director and still be a terrible movie director. Oh, yeah. I Nightmare learned that making yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. No, <laughs> clearly, it's just, clearly these are just two people who were pigeonholed into making music videos right. who are unbelievably talented. And if they can make a movie out of this that we're having this discussion about, holy shit, they're impressive. And they're not just music video directors, right? They wrote no. the music for this. So yeah. they're also musicians. Oh, yeah. And the the lyrics and the music, if you paid attention, are fantastic. Oh, yeah. Have the, the captions on when you watch it. Oh, my God. Yeah, if you the, don't, you're missing out on some of the best really? jokes in the movie. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the beautiful, soulful cover of Cotton Eye Joe that segues smoothly into Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's like, uh, during the first montage, like when they start smiling and have a good time, uh, one of the lines in it is like, everything we needed was in this montage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I did not catch that. <laughs> like, seriously, whenever there's music, put on the subtitles. There's some <laughs> amazing jokes in there. Yeah, for me, those that was like the funniest. And I'm glad mm-hmm. I had those on. I just do it because our air conditioning is loud. And I can, ne- I can never hear it without waking anybody up. Well, yeah, I'll watch so movies late at night and I don't want to wake up Chewy, yeah. so I'll just leave on subtitles. And yeah, it's just like, oh, wow. I've been far more rewarded by subtitles on every movie I've watched than yeah. not. So do it. I, yeah, I recommend it, it, it. Especially with this one. But yeah, like yeah. the I, I cannot sing their praises enough. Like these two guys doing this, like they did an amazing job with a very, very odd ball movie. Oh, and, that, and that was Paul Dano and uh, Daniel Radcliffe that were singing on the soundtrack, yes? I believe so. I, I did not look it up. Because uh, I also appreciated that the characters would occasionally sing along or lip sync with the, the, the music as it was playing. Right. Uh, I thought that was an interesting touch. Yeah. That it didn't seem to have any greater narrative significance. It just seemed like, well, we have a boner compass, so you might as well do this too. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, I'm looking at it now. And that gets into they my like, this is such a a movie, a dude movie. Yeah. it is. But before we <laughs> jump into that, I will say this: I'm looking at it now. They did not do all the music. Oh, I thought they did. Okay. No, they might have done some of it, but the it's okay, music go, did by the rest. two different people. Oh, okay, go did the rest. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was just okay, go. <laughs> it's their alternative band, sort of like, um, oh, what's his name? Jack it's actually, White. it's uh, yeah. It, you're not wrong. It's the guys from Manchester Orchestra. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Well, okay. Then. <laughs> so I'm sorry I said that earlier. Like I thought, yeah. I read that somewhere that the directors also did the music. So well, they might have done some of it. I'm just saying, like the ba- the main stuff was two of the guys from Manchester yeah. Orchestra. Mm. So again, you're not wrong about some alt band doing it. <laughs> there you go. Very talented people. Very good band. Yeah. I like their stuff. Um, but you're saying, so this is a full-blown dude movie. Yeah. No, I well, don't think well, we've had this much of a dude movie since Boyhood. Like, it's just, oh, this no, is for men. Not, well, I guess Boyhood. But I also had the same feeling, like, while watching... Um, crap, I just forgot the... All right, all right, all right. Days oh, and Confused? There we Days are. Con- like, watching Days and Confused, I'm like, this is such a dude film. And then watching this movie, I'm like, this is such a dude film. This is everything dude well, love. Two of later, so... It's, a, it's, it's yeah. totally bro love. He's a dude. It's <laughs> dick jokes, it's farting jokes, and it's being obsessed with a girl and not knowing what to do about it's it. It's about stunted growth. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's our fun narrative. Like, for yeah. But honestly, males. in the realm of dude movies, I'd watch this one more than the other two. Well, I mean, especially, like, this one has, like, I keep, I, I should name them. It's uh, Daniel uh, Schreinhardt and uh, Daniel Kwan, who directed the film. 
The Daniels. Oh, there's so many Daniels. The Daniels. Yeah, a couple of Daniels. No Danny. Uh, that's what it says do, in the movie. They the do Daniels. actually go by as the, uh, by the Daniels. Do they really? Yeah. 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 A, a film by Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Which I thought was a last name actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, is it, why, is it, why is your first name an article? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so these two guys like they did a really good job making this dick and fart movie so much more yeah. than a dick and fart movie. And that's why I think women are probably more prone to watch this one than opposed to the other dude movies you're talking about. Because it's actually really good. I mean, not that the other two movies aren't good. No. We've discussed those before. Yeah. Uh, Just it's it's more open to interpretation. Yep. uh, And it's got classic archetypal issues in it, which anyone can attach themselves to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It it, it does... It's... um, it does so like with a, a frame and device that I don't I don't think it's like gender specific. Yeah. Like I think that uh, really anyone could attach themselves to really either one of the characters. Um, the funny thing that I find that was in this movie that no one talks about is that apparently they thought they were making a uh, a very important like gay movie and no one cares about that at all. They didn't feel gay. No. No. Never. No. They no. felt like they felt like brothers. Yeah. yeah, it felt like, dude, you don't have to be gay to kiss the same gender. No, but I, I think that the uh, the idea is that it wasn't about them chasing the girl. It was about them finding that they were falling in love. And I don't think that necessarily came across the way the directors thought it would. It never would have no, op- uh, come but, into yeah. my mind. But knowing that and looking at it, I kind of get it. Because it's kind of like, uh, it's specifically in the scene where they're about to cross the big bridge. And he's talking about, like, the, uh, I feel like there's something between us. Even though we're touching, have I? Does anyone else have that feeling before? And he's like, "Nope, you must be the first person in the history of time to have that feeling." And apparently, that sequence, like you're, when I'm watching it the first time, I'm still imagining Paul Dano as the girl, and he's trying to have made the move on the girl and didn't work. But apparently, the way the movie's supposed to be playing out, it's actually these two men realizing that they were having feelings for each other, and it wasn't the girl. Like the girl thing was like, "Oh shit, that was just like a thing that we were going too far with, and now we have this relationship." Which, if you know that mm. looking at it, it's there. It it's just there for a second view, but on the first, like yeah, exactly. Nothing in the filmmaking really, really. Yeah, it doesn't. Even it on doesn't, the second view, I. And it also, I, they can say that, but that's not what I. No, get. but it's one of the things where if you know it's sitting down yeah. for it, it's like, oh, I can see that. It's definitely there. But if you don't, then I don't think it shows up necessarily. I, I mean, maybe somebody out there did. I don't think anyone on the table did, but. And yeah, I mean, and it's just like some of the absurdism in the movie kind of steals from that a little bit, and. Just because there's so many other things competing in terms of theme that yeah. it just like it just got it got farted over, I guess, for <laughs> lack of a better word. Like it just there was just so much. Yeah, things. and I think there's also just a tendency in our culture to make male on male affection a source of comedy, yeah, uh, whether or not yeah. it should be. And like two dudes kissing is always played for laughs in yeah. mainstream American comedy. It's like a thing that these two straight dudes are getting forced to do. Uh, so when something is played more tenderly, as you say. Uh, because you've got the context of farts and boner compasses, mm-hmm. uh, those moments, yeah, they get farted over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I still, like, even with that, the their kiss, I don't think it's played for laughs. No, I don't no. think I, it... I, I don't think... I, when we saw it in theaters, I don't think there was a chuckle in the audience. It's, mm. No, but it's I wouldn't say It's kind of a sweet moment. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily played romantically either. No, it's it's more of a sweet moment, not really romantic. Chaste. Thing. Yeah. Um, it's chaste necrophilia. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird... That's a great band name. <laughs> it is. It's my Jaeger and Pacific Rim. <laughs> nice. Uh, but talking more about like the the, uh, the movie story, I, uh, since we have a writer here, I figured we should ask about it. What did you think about just kind of like as like an A to B story? Like how do you think it was well told? Do you Was there anything that you would have changed personally? What do you think? 
you know, it really does follow that classical structure. Uh, it meanders a bit because it's a more character-driven movie. Mm-hmm. I, I got shades of of like Waiting for Godot or or uh, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, where you've got these two guys that are in this indeterminate location just talking about life as they're sort of vaguely heading towards something down the line. Um, so I think if that's the kind of thing they were going for, where it was supposed to be more meditative, they absolutely succeeded in that regard. Okay. I wouldn't really change much about the structure of this. Um, I think there were definitely some montages that could have been maybe a little bit shorter. Yeah. Or maybe I think that's the music video directors and them. Exactly. Bit, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it was a very compact movie with not a lot of fat that you could trim. Yeah, uh, I think it's like an hour 31, something like that. Like, it, it's 97 minutes. Yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a tight movie. Yeah, so I don't really know if there's... T- I don't know, because part of me is curious about the world that he left behind uh, when he got stuck on that island. Uh, but then part of me thinks that that's really beside the point. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I mean, when you've got, say, Mary Elizabeth Winstead playing the object of his affections, uh, Sarah, right. uh, she's she doesn't have that much screen time. But I think she does a really good job of uh, getting across that while she is part of his world, he is not part of hers. Yeah. Uh, and so while I'm a little bit curious about her and about uh, about Hank's dad, I don't. I understand that that's also beside the point of the movie. Yeah. So I don't think that the movie would necessarily be served by going down those, uh, to use the expression we've loved today, rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my thing is, uh, and feel free to correct me on this, I, I think part of the reason that the the uh, homosexual relationship does not play out in the movie at all is because uh, the very early draft of the movie was that she was he. They were part of each other's worlds. They were in a relationship, and he needed to use Dan Radcliffe to get back to her, hmm. so they could be back together. And that obviously changed through rewrites and rewrites and rewrites. Uh, I think that that relationship wouldn't have never played out, or would have played out much more if there was not the princess in the castle. Like there was not a girl for him to get to. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, agree with me disagree with me do you think that's would that relationship have played out more if there wasn't a girl he was chasing the whole time if she turned out to be not real like that would have actually helped if like you had this idea of what you were going for and you thought it was her her but no you were just holding things back you're okay it's him you know like that the the destination was never where you're going you had to find yourself kind of thing i don't know like it seems like having her be real and having all that be real at the end if you wanted to put those themes in there Having it real at the end, her being a real object of his affection, yeah, just just kind of takes away. Yeah, I would yeah. S- I would say you could have the princess in the castle angle work if the princess was Hank's dad. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Hmm. Trying to get back to his dad. Yeah, like if he was trying to go back to his yeah, dad, the whole like time. for his yeah. birthday or something. And then having the gay son might explain the rift a little bit more. Like there yeah. might be things in there. The, the problem is, like I'm nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking because I think what's on screen works works really well. I just kind of it's kind of fun to just kind of like would this one thing they've mentioned that I've heard them mention play out if they just tweaked things. And I think you're right. Maybe if he's going after the dad, it would have actually rung out a little bit more. Yeah, I can't think of anything to tweak for me because I, I just don't... Maybe it's because of how I am with my friends. Yeah. I'm very physically affectionate to anyone that I really value in my life. So the idea that... You'd ha- that would just lead into homosexuality just doesn't work for me. Right. Like, there has to be more for it to lead into that for me. And well, I, I think the relationship's definitely there. Like, their their relationship, like, it goes, like, there's a big arc in it. Like, where they start to where they end. It's it's very 
starts as like you are I'm literally carrying you through the forest to I need you in my life. And you're carrying me. Yeah. 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 There's a really it's a really well made arc in there. It but is. And yeah, it, it's nice, but yeah, again, uh, uh, another thing is just like the girl on the bus, the magic like these magical tropes that he's using in his mind. They really play those up. Yeah. yeah. And it's just yeah, it takes it all takes away from that that theme if that's what you're going for. But yeah. But I mean, even with all that stuff, I I still think it was very ballsy for them to just make it all real like i still really like that about the movie that like, i agree that where you went before where it's the, all the other things you can interpret out of it it's there if you want to but if you don't you just want to look at the movie well i don't question that the corpse was real like i never in my brain it's never that he you did if, that he was just imagining all this stuff happening right for me it was just such a little like it's very magical uh-huh like how in the idea of magic being real in a world that you can bottle something up into such a thing kind of like in a uh, fantastic beast where it'll become its own entity like i thought to me that's what his inner child was okay and yeah. it literally possessed this corpse yeah i mean so I, to me it still all happened and that's that's why i i mean this movie didn't make my top 10 of the year uh, i know it did for a lot of people but i that's why i will still enjoy watching this movie i still think it's really great because you can get all these different things out of there which and it doesn't feel like it's poorly made where you can get that stuff like well it just didn't make sense it just kind of feels like it's very malleable to what you want to push and pull from it and that's mm-hmm. true art yeah and that's very mm-hmm. tough to do especially their first time out of the bag for directing a film like it's it's but awesome i really like that they you know showed us other characters seeing what he was seeing because yeah that was you know it kind of took away from me in birdman and in inception specifically birdman like yeah. that, that one I, I definitely like that would have it almost made it too aloof uh-huh. by not seeing it. And like this one, yeah, they, I guess they, they, I forgot that they had, uh, Emma Stone look up, you know, in the end mm-hmm. of Birdman, but, uh, even that was a little too vague and not enough. I like the confirmation in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about in this thing? Uh, we didn't really, we mentioned the music, but uh, I know that one musical cue in the, the beginning of the movie is probably still one of my favorite moments in the entire thing. How about my favorite gag, which is that we spend two or, you know, an hour and a half trying to get from the, the wash up point to land. And then in 10 minutes, they chase themselves back through it. Yeah. That was clearly, (laughs) I don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. So he's just been fucking around in her backyard the whole time. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) He was just going in circles. Yeah. But. He was on an island. He rode the corpse across water. He did. Yeah, yeah which should be like the real. first. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah. which should be the first yeah. indicator that this all is real. It's not just some surrealistic touch that right. he's, yeah. he that he's hallucinating. Right. Or if the corpse wasn't real at all, he was just in her backyard the whole time and imagined getting across water. But no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Did they have a pool? In their <laughs> <laughs> is that guy back there again? God, that guy's weird. Because yeah, I was struck by there is a lot of garbage here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Hello, police. Paul Dano's in my backyard riding Daniel Radcliffe. Somebody call Zoe Kazan. <laughs> uh, okay. So then the last thing I want to talk about in this movie uh, is I I really just want to talk about the Swiss Army Man himself, not just Daniel Radcliffe playing the character, mm-hmm. but I think they did. My favorite thing in this movie is the character they created in that corpse. I think it's one of the coolest things in movies yeah. in, in a very long time. Brilliant. But he's innocence personified. It's not just even the innocence personified. It's the he is everything you need him to be. Right. Oh, and yeah, that's, that's what too. I love about it. Like, God, I need water. He just starts puking up water. Yeah. I need to go fishing. I can throw rocks at him and turn him into a machine gun. Like, yeah. There's just so many <laughs> awesome things they and, did with this character. And the way that he learns all these things. Like, I yeah. really liked the the situations of discovery. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's awesome. Like that's it, 
not to just sound like I have no better word, but it really is just awesome. Yeah. 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 And especially since he reclaims his agency at the end of it. Yeah. After just being a toy for Paul Dano to play with for an hour and a half, when he suddenly asked the question, like, I puked and you prodded me and pushed me and I farted. And why haven't I seen you do any of those things? Yeah. Which I thought was a really nice uh, way to invert the premise of things. That was right? that was a moment where I was worried that it might turn out he is not real. Like yeah, I was saying I was like, oh, oh no, don't don't do the don't do the, the the thing I expect you to do right now. Well, th- and they didn't, so that's good. Well, yeah, the thing I was worried of, I got that same worry when they the reporter started calling him Manny at the end, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> right? Oh, no. Did they switch identities? Yeah, yeah please real. don't make this. Were you the same thing? person the whole time? Right. Paul Dano's actually dead, and yeah. it's actually Daniel Radcliffe experiencing it, seeing himself be dead. Oh, that would have been yeah. worse. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. but not that's, taking where you, the... that's where you would have gone from being art to just being blah. Right. <laughs> no, I, we, I almost want to pick the movie for today to talk about if that's the ending yeah. they've gone with. It's like when you watch an entire movie, and then somebody wakes up at the end, and you're like, it was all a dream. <laughs> uh. Like, oh. All right. yeah. like oh, so you just wasted two hours of my time. Thanks a lot, movie. Yeah. That whole period from about 1999 to 2003, when everybody had their Sixth Sense knockoffs. You have was, a twist. That, that was the worst time to go see movies. <laughs> it was horrible. I guess it scarred me because now I'm watching for it in every movie I see. Thanks, Shyamalan. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or it Fight Club fits right in there. Yeah. But that was a book. Whatever. Yeah, there's also Palahunic, yeah. who does that all the time. Yep. Yeah. Kind of a one-trick uh, pony there. <laughs> Anyhow, is there anything else we want to say about this thing that we have not mentioned? Did we say it's good? I think we've said it's good. Okay, it's good. I mean, uh, for anyone who can't stomach continual dick and fart jokes, they would probably hate this movie. But that you said yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I do not think this is a movie for everyone. Well, let's do that. Would we recommend it? I, I honestly would. I, I would. I would give you the caveat of... If you're not going to like dick and fart jokes the whole movie, it might not be for you. But this is the best version of dick and fart jokes you will ever see. Let me pose this question to you. Would you recommend it to your parents? And my answer is no. No. Yeah. No. Yes. I mean, it's for me, your your parents are more cultured in that way. My dad would that, like it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like what I d- would recommend you to a modern art museum. I'm like, are you going to appreciate this for the ideas it's presenting to you? Or are you just going to see a circle in another circle? So it's like, can you see somebody that will look past the dick and fart? Like, you really need to know who you're talking to. Yeah. Because right. so many people won't. Yeah, because, I mean, I saw two dick and fart joke movies this year. One of them I really like, and one of them is just kind of okay. The other one's at Brothers Grinsby. Uh, some really funny moments in Brothers Grinsby. I'm, if you get a chance to watch it, I recommend it. Very funny. Completely different dick and fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but I would recommend it to my friends. I'd rec- I'd honestly recommend it to my friends. Yeah. I'd recommend it. I would not recommend it to my sister. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that'd be why I'd I would I not recommend, recommend it to my brother. I was gonna say my brother in law. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, think he'd like it. Okay. I'm trying to think of who I would recommend it to. And I don't mean that to sound like a slight. Like I don't want to sound like an asshole. Like oh, you just wouldn't get it. That's not what I'm saying. I just my- I don't think there's I don't think this would really work for everybody. Okay. It's very specific. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like you could recommend a lot of horror movies to somebody, but there's only a select people, a number of people I would recommend Hannibal to. Yeah, because right. I mean, sure. this was to the fart joke what Hannibal is to blood and gore. Sure, sure, yeah. The artsy version. Yeah, yeah. The artsy version on no budget. Would right. you say it's artsy fartsy? That joke is better than a movie. Everything has led up to this moment. I feel good about that one. And with that, see, you know, we're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Uh, <laughs> leave only, the site. <laughs> I'm only half joking. I think it's time for quotes, 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 quotes. 
Everybody got their quote. I've right got now? him. I, well, I've got my quote, and mine is uh, I'm cheating this week, so I'm sure that none of you have mine. Uh, mine is from the directors talking about the film because this whoa, is the best thing cheater. I know. Whoa. I know. All right. So this is the quote that I'm going with for this movie. When we let Hank and Manny fall in love, we accidentally made a gay necrophilia movie. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> Everyone just threw their phones down like they dropped the mic for you. <laughs> Damn it, he stole mine. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's going to take mine, but uh, the part when um, Daniel gets the boner for the first time and he doesn't know what's going on and he's just staring down at his dick going, oh no, I'm disgusting. Yeah. I just imagine every guy had that moment. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was raised Catholic, so I've been there. Ah, uh, what is happening God. to me? Have you ever seen the movie Bubble Boy? With no. Jake Gyllenhaal, no. the first time he gets a boner, he takes out a wooden bat and just goes, uh, crack. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, Bubble Boy references. <laughs> Somebody has to remember that movie. Yeah. Somebody has to book it. of Eli that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when the apocalypse oh God, comes. Book of Eli. I'll just be walking around That's the desert. Have you movie. seen Bubble Boy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the keeper of the Bubble Boy. <laughs> oh, I want to see that. Danny Trejo's in it. Everyone likes it. <laughs> oh, all right, I got one. Um, it's poignant despite the dick and fart joke of it. Uh, if my best friend hides his farts from me, then what else is he hiding from me? Yep. And why does it make me feel so alone? <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Brian learned real fast in our relationship that I didn't hold anything back. Yeah. yeah. Farts she just nothing. lets him rip. And like, if you can't handle the fact that, yes, I'm a girl and I'm going to keep farting, uh, she then has just those, break up with me now. She has those good farts. The, the <laughs> and then you hear the, <sighs> which means that you can just hear that she just shoved that fart out. You see that wasn't like, oh boy. <laughs> Here it comes. Better, <sighs> it's better <laughs> than the question mark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that valley girl fart. There you has go. Has the upwards intonation. I'm very open when people say, it's hey, lady, clueless. can you do this thing? I'm like, I'm not a lady. <laughs> I'm not a lady. <laughs> 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 Am I the last one? Mm. Uh, we have two more, don't we? Yeah, you and me. Okay. Go me ahead. and you. I have a good one and a backup one. Uh, I mean, I actually already referenced it. I think my real summation of my experience with this movie was the the last line of the movie, which is, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she li- delivers that line. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, she absolutely delivers it. She's, <laughs> and it is, I mean, there's a couple other great lines in there. Uh, if you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. Uh, that's a pretty good line right there. But That's my shitty quote. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I think there's no better. It's like the perfect catharsis after you've seen all these farts and all these boners and this bear, the, the bear attack. Because there's a bear attack. No, we never mentioned the it's bear. It's the audience's recognition of the movie, basically. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. All right, Ryan, what's yours? Mine is the long monologue. Maybe we're all a little ugly. Maybe we're all just ugly, dying sacks of shit. And maybe it would all it would take is one person to be okay with that, and the whole world will be dancing and singing and farting, and everyone will be, feel a little less alone. I like it. I love that line. It's a great line. Yeah. And he delivers it really well. Yeah. yeah this movie is really about farting. I yeah. try to promote that uh, idea of life, because whenever people burp at work, I'm just like, oh, good burp. <laughs> I never say gross or make any sort of mean face. I'm like, oh, it's a good burp. Do We're one. all falling to shit. All right. <laughs> Let's fart and burp in front of each other. 
Got it. <laughs> That's one thing that I've never understood about boys. How can you just do it on... That one I just had coming. The review system for today is coming based on what Chewie said earlier, because I think it's going to work out really well. Mm. Dude movies. Mm. You can Dude interpret that however movie. you want. 21 Jump Street. Okay. Because I just watched it and I was thinking about it. <laughs> Does that count? You gotta, you gotta have do a better reason. than just because I just watched it. Come up with a reason. <laughs> it was a, a heartfelt uh, comedy about two people who didn't really belong together and they matured along the way. And they were both of the movies, this and 21 Jump Street, were way better than they had any right to be. I, okay, yeah, that works. I got one. Go it's for it. uh, Dude, Where's My Car? It's, this oh. is the artistic version nope. of it. Okay. It's the artistic version of the dude, sweet, dude, sweet <laughs> scene. Just farts is the artistic and, version. And then? <laughs> That's it. And then? How well do you remember this movie? It's been a while. <laughs> Clearly. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was an Asian person saying, and then? No, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I then. <didn't. laughs> uh, I, I, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, my dude movie is Die Hard, because okay. Daniel Radcliffe did. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I like puns. <laughs> uh, oh, I, just, I just wrote hard into my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to type the title of the movie I just did. Dude, where's my <laughs> Dude, where's my heart? All right. I got mine. <laughs> okay. Uh, this works into a film that I love, and a lot of other people don't, and I can always defend it, and I will always rewatch it. Jupiter Ascending, and it is Jupiter some... Ascending? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I believe you missed that one. Um, I like dogs. <laughs> and it is a fantastic bromance that's all about trying to get to the end goal, but on the way, it is super weird. They get... They really rely on each other the whole time, but their situations make no sense. But I'm always on board. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Nope. Blues Brothers. Nope. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Love yeah. that movie. Great bromance. Wish they kept making more. Give me four and five already. You just stole mine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <silly. laughs> oh, I was so prepared for that one. All right, they and do Harold and Kumar no, 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 uh, no. go to Guantanamo. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, just give me a second. I gotta think of another one now. There's no Fuck. double dipping the chip. I should have expected you to go for that one. Uh, okay, so mine. I'm gonna go with. Fuck. Uh, I was. I, I had I'm my whole sorry, thing honey. set. No, it's, it's, I should have expected it. First, she throws a chair uh, at you, and then, I know like, it's been a rough and then day a curveball. A rough day. That's the only marriage. reason we own the movies. Anyhow, uh, I'm gonna go with. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, and I'm going with that one basically because kind of like what uh, John was saying earlier, where it's kind of like the the art house version of this thing, but it still is about two dudes who just totally need each other, and they learn things along the way. <laughs> that's gonna be they do bad. mature throughout <laughs> the film. <laughs> sure, I haven't seen this since I was a kid, so that's a really tough reach we for me. Rewatch that tonight. Uh, we have other things to watch. I love how they get. Uh, Oh, I just forgot his name. The Mongol into the telephone box. Yeah, the skateboarding Mongol. Yeah. yeah. Genghis Khan? Like Snickers. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's a Snickers. Come what on. a movie. <laughs> Anyhow, I think that brings today's episode to a close. Uh, coming up next week, we have Hell or High Water. Ooh. Um, or the best of 2016, based on how well I can schedule people. And if they can't get in time for next week, then we'll do Hell or High Water. If they can... 
then we'll do best of 2016, but it's going to come based on the people we're asking to help us out. And you're going to listen regardless. Either way, Either way. come hey. hell or high water, yeah. we're going yeah. to make hey. a podcast. Uh, but so far, the only guest we have booked is uh, Craig McFarlane and the people over at Front Row Movie Reviews, and uh, I'm very excited to hear what they have to say mm. about the best movies of 2016. Craig and Pooh, what do yeah. they know about movies? <laughs> uh, and they are recently going to do an episode based on our show where they are doing, I believe it's a musical battle. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing how they do that. Hmm. So, do we lawyer up now? Uh, well, he did ask for permission. He he sent and me you a thing. Gave it to him. He's going to reference us, free? right? He did. We he said he will say that we took this from after the hype, and okay. if he doesn't, there will be a war. So it's like yeah. Tumblr attrition, right? <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. If not, I am fully prepared to go to war with the front room movie reviews. Um, and hopefully they listen. We to this do episode. know where they live. I do. It's going to be great. Um, so thanks again very much to Paul for coming out. Yeah. Uh, had a ton of fun being here. What's the name of your book again? It is Last Call at the Nightshade Lounge. Last and Call at the Nightshade Lounge. Yeah. It is uh, available everywhere you can buy books and probably some places where you could buy other things. <laughs> as long as I can get other things, then I'm buying the book. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get a pile of stuff. You're booking me on top, but it's going to be in a pile. Good. Yeah. It's going to be a pile of porn. <laughs> Amazon has to do it that That's way. Okay. Yeah. That's you okay. Yeah, that's okay. You have to buy it and you know put it in a pile and yeah, get that pile going. A pile of smut and, and a book. No, good. That <laughs> yeah. would put it's me in company with my the articles. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us online at athpod.com. You can find us on Twitter ath underscore podcast. Everywhere else at ath podcast. Uh, and rate and review us on iTunes. That's it. And what else am I forgetting? Listen next week. Email. <laughs> Email us at ATHpodcast at gmail.com. Soon we will start that. to have swag on our website, by the soon way. Soon we're, we're going to start up a store with Redbubble here soon. I'm really excited about that. Buy and our then, merch. Yeah. Uh, you can buy our merch. I'm planning and on making a t-shirt that says Dudes Love Dicks. From I'm after so the excited for that shirt. Um, <gasps> it's going to be great for Pride I will be month. the first person to buy it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to have articles coming up on our website soon. Ryan's written one. I've written one. Uh, I think John has started writing one. I've gift one. Yeah, <laughs> Chewy has thought about writing one, and then we're gonna start getting guest writers. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So we're gonna keep... write a second one, I think. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Who knows? Yeah, maybe um, not. But keep going to athpod.com to see these things start coming out. I'm really excited for them. All right, so thank you very much, everybody, for listening, and have a great whatever you're gonna have. Bye. Bye. Au revoir.